Team Awesome is back. That's right. Team Awesome is back and it's time for Tangle Talk with Team Awesome. This is episode 13, hiatus episode number three. Guys, we are in the dark winter. The hiatus shall continue until at least December, if not into the new year. Chris actually posted a statement today that neither he nor any of the crew knows when it's going to end. So please be patient and please stop asking them because they have no control over it. They have no say. They have no idea. They're just, they're clueless. Uh So today's episode is going to be a character review. We are going to talk about the individual characters and what we like about them and what we dislike about them. And we promise to find something that we like and dislike about everybody on the list. I don't think there's anyone that we completely hate or anyone that we completely love because I even have at least one bad thing to say about Eugene. I thought about it. I found one, but now we'll have to wait till the end. <laughs> we are, of course, going to start at the very, very top with our dear, sweet, wonderful Rapunzel. So, what right from the start, I want to say that I absolutely adore how they properly carried over her personality from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, both her and Eugene, we saw very little of them. We saw three days worth of personality. And unlike Pascal and Maximus, you did not get the impression that those three days were particularly complete amount of their personality it's like no they were both under very high stress situations and they were not acting the way that they do when they're calm and collected mm-hmm. um and it's also good to note that mandy moore insisted on reading up the entire thing first and she would not have done it if she did nothing the series is going to do rapunzel proud so and zachary's the same way same way zach is is very big on no eugene has to be done and represented correctly so if without these two guys, without these two actors, we would not have had the show at all. Because if they had said no, they wouldn't have made it. That's mm-hmm. I love that. Much what, that's yeah. Pretty, yeah. So that's Solidarity. Pretty, yep. Yeah, man. It's like, you got to do it right or we're not doing it at all. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So it's great. And, you know, that's been their, their philosophy for the, for the whole show. Because they keep bringing back as many people who actually worked on the movie as working on the show as possible in some capacity. Um, like, for example, Kevin Kleisch, while he did not compose the score for the movie, he did compose the score for Tangled Ever After. So he is the one doing the score for the series, while Alan, as we all know, Alan Menken and Glenn Slater are still doing the songs, and so are, they're doing it. Wait, are you what? positive he didn't do the score? Because I feel like when I watched the movie in theaters recently, I saw his name and I was like, oh. I think that it's possible that he worked with Alan on the score. Like, he wasn't okay. the primary composer, but he, like, did a lot of... I know that composers often... This actually was a long time before I found this out. Composers often have, like, apprentices or helpers or just secondary composers. And the one will write the main themes and the other one will fill in the blanks. Okay. And so, that's like with Pirates of the Caribbean, how Hans Zimmer did write He's a Pirate. But oh, um, okay. Klaus He's... Bedelt did, like, the rest of it and filled in all the themes and all the stuff. Gotcha. On IMDb, it lists him as orchestrator and score producer for Tangled. So. Okay, okay, well, score producer, okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah, so it's like, Alan, here's the theme, and, and, and uh, sorry, Kevin, I was on which wrong thing, yeah. and then Kevin's like, oh, okay, well, I'll fill in the blanks, so yeah, so he did work on the movie, thank you for correcting me. Um, and then, you know, so all the voice actors and all the whatnot, and that is actually why we don't have Hookhand for the majority of the series. I mean, we know we're going to have, like, an episode or two where he's in it, but... Coming up, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that should be really soon at this point. But it's because they couldn't get him to voice act regularly on the show. And so they're like, well, we can't have Hookhand if we don't have him. So uh, that's Brad Garrett, by the way. So if they couldn't have Brad, they weren't going to have Hookhand, so they invented Hookfoot. 
for the series. I love how and they did that excuse. because a lot of other things well, would just be like, ah, we'll just get a new voice. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Tangled's like, no, we're not doing that. And so then in that regard, they also put him on world tour so that if they ever could have him back, mm-hmm. they'd be able to like, oh, well, he was just on world tour. It's not like he's gone, you know? So, yeah, I really, really appreciate that about them also. It's mm-hmm. super duper cool. So back to Rapunzel. So, yeah, her personality carried over really well from the movie. But one of the things I particularly like is that they are actively showing how she is not 100% familiar with the world around her. Like, mm-hmm. like one of my favorite things she does is not know what people are talking about when they just say a very common phrase. Like, when life gives you lemons, then she's like, go on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it goes, to show that that, it goes to show that while she is, you know, fluent in English or Koronian or whatever language they're supposed to be speaking, while she is fluent in the language, that doesn't mean she's heard all the terms of phrase that everybody says and are used to, because they just never came up with in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, that reminds me of um, her inventions and how she will invent things that have already been invented because she doesn't know they've already been invented and she's a smart girl, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and then she doesn't name them anything close to what they end up being named in their real world application. So, um, I, this is kind of funny because I both love and hate that she's so jealous. And the thing is that I don't hate it about her as a character, I actually love it as a character flaw. I'm glad that they're giving her flaws and that whenever they're able to, they show her, you know. Mm-hmm. Not being perfect, which is fantastic because, you know, long gone are the days of Disney needing the princesses to be perfect in order to be, mm-hmm. like, stars. Mm-hmm. Like, the original three, that was actually an animation rule that they were never allowed to make an unflattering face. So, like, when you go through all of the, like, Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty, when you go through those, even when they're, like, in tears, it's a very you know, fashion model tears. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's a flailing of the wrists and and their faces don't screw up into horrible expressions or anything like that. And the first one to make really extreme expressions was Ariel. And she really does, especially because she's not got her voice for a good chunk of the movie, so she needs to be mm-hmm. very expressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that carries on with Rapunzel that she is allowed to have negative traits, which is fantastic. And I totally approve of that because she'd be really boring if she wasn't, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, she's nothing but sunshine and roses all the freaking time. How does she do this? I think, I mean, I'd be, like, so fed up with traveling with her if she was always sunshine <laughs> and roses that never had a negative emotion. It's like, come on, get mad about something. I mean, there are times, like, in TV shows where not just the audience, but the characters in the show themselves are like, would you just get mad about something, you know? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're always being happy is really frustrating, so having Rapunzel actually get upset about things, like, is thrilling. Like, honestly, her her absolutely petty cattiness <laughs> in Beyond the Corona Walls was hysterically funny yes. and unexpected. Like, I expected stallion to be the catty one mm-hmm. and for Rapunzel to be like oh no everything's great I'll just stiff over lip you know but mm-hmm. I mean, to have her fall into base muttering about her how stupid her name is and like ugh they're swans I bet stallion yes. picked these out I mean I know a lot of people don't like those but I think they're hysterically funny because she is allowed to give in to these negative emotions and have these totally petty reactions to things well that's mm-hmm. my favorite part about season two is like season one she would get like upset and this and that but in season two she's just like 
going off. Like, she's insane, yep. and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the tower, out of Corona. She's she wild. don't give any any cares. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's see, is there anything that I don't actually like about Rapunzel? I mean, I thought really hard about Eugene, but I didn't think to think about Rapunzel. Because I'm like, oh no, here's her bad traits, but I like those too, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I identify a lot with her, so it's kind of difficult for me to to step up and find something I dislike because I was like, no, to admit I dislike something about Rapunzel is to admit I dislike something about myself, even though <laughs> there are things I dislike about myself, but she and I don't share those things. So I'm like, no, it's fine. Yeah. You know, it's hard to but, dislike stuff about her because she's, uh, she's in such a unique situation. It's like, well, you can't really dislike that about her. It's not fair to her because she doesn't understand any better. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. She is underdeveloped emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so, Anything that I would find like a flaw, it's like, no, no, her actual genuine flaws are endearing because mm -hmm. she's allowed to have flaws. And her portrayal is fantastic, so I've got nothing wrong with her portrayal. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. like, I mean, it's so hard to, to wrap my head around because it's like, to start to kick this off early, yes, the whole thing about in Queen for Day, how after the fact she should have gone after Varian and she calls him, you know, here's the thing that, that, I kind of dislike is that she considers people's friends really fast. And this is both a, a positive and a negative yeah. because yay, she's getting along with everyone. But then she goes and she gives people like very and all of this. Oh no, we're friends. I'll take care of you attitude. And then it's mm -hmm. like, but you're not really that close. You met the kid three times before you made him that promise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so then it makes it hard for her to follow through. And so I guess if there's something I dislike about her, that's what I dislike about her is that this propensity to, to declare people friends when they're not. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, I am friendly towards you and we are acquaintances and I'd like to get you, get to know you better. Sure. But like y'all weren't really good friends with Varian. And so don't be leading the boy along, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so, I mean, yeah. So, but Still, even so, that goes back to just her not understanding the world and how yeah. it works. I mean, a lot of the lesson of Queen for a Day is, of course, showing that she's not actually ready to do this mm -hmm. and that she still has a lot to learn about life, let alone, you know, how to be a queen. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I guess that's where I stand. Yeah. She's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. she's great. <laughs> Okay, so next on our list is Pascal. What you say? You skipped Eugene? No, guys, we talk about Eugene so much that he's at the end, so that we will just finish off the show talking about how much we love Eugene. That way, if you, if you don't really want to listen to us rant about him for, mm, I don't know, eight hours, no. probably. <laughs> then God, gonna, don't tell me you know, that. You will uh, have the option you'll of, you'll have the option of shutting it off before we get to him. So, <laughs> Okay, so Pascal. Um, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before. I think I've mentioned it last week, in fact, or last last podcast, that I actually did not like Pascal at first. Like, at first, I thought he was the dumbest sidekick, really irritating. <laughs> like, I understood that her having an animal sidekick allowed her to not be monologuing and crazy because she was actually talking to someone and not herself in the tower. Mm -hmm. um, but, like... This little tough guy attitude didn't do anything for me whatsoever. And he also has a very little know-it-all attitude. And I'm like, you're a fucking chameleon. I'm sorry. I swore. <laughs> Let me try that again. It's fine. And I'm all like, you're a chameleon. What do you know? 
And so it's just like, so it took a long time. And it actually wasn't until I started watching his interactions when the camera wasn't focused on him that I started genuinely liking him. Mm -hmm. Because when you see who he is when he's not just mirroring Rapunzel or being a little know-it-all or a little tough guy, then... I'm like, nah, you're cool, you're funny, I like you a lot, and adorable on top of that. And actually, the series has made me like him more, because, um, you know, I actually started liking him before I, the series began, and now the series has started, even when he's focused on in the series, I like what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he's not just got these little brief flashes of moment of personality that is, like, not exactly mirroring Rapunzel's. And, in fact, he's frequently... Not exactly mirroring Rapunzel, though. On um, more on the negative, he is, you know, still a little nitwit. They're like he's so super hyper smart, but he he's gonna eat a bug on a tripwire, even though everybody's like carefully stepping over it. I'm like, freaking chameleon! Come on! <laughs> I love how he's like almost not afraid to call Rapunzel out on her crap. Like he always gives her like those looks, and yeah. she's like, oh stop! And I'm like, oh, I think it's so funny. It cracks me up every time. Like when they're, I was watching Happinesses today, and when they're tied up, and she's like, don't look at me like that, and he's just like staring at her. I think that's the funniest <laughs> part. <laughs> I think the best part about that is that it shows the relationship that she and Pascal have. Mm-hmm. That they're like. And, okay, there we go. That's actually something that I dislike about Rapunzel. You actually brought something up. And what it is is that if people have advice for her she doesn't want to hear, she disregards it. Yeah. And that is one thing I don't like about Rapunzel. I'm like, honey, if there's something you got to work on, that's the thing you got to work on. <laughs> because the number of times she's like, oh, don't look at me like that. I'm like, sister, he's right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, pay attention to Pascal glaring at you because he's right. So, yeah, okay. So... No, I agree with you that Pascal actually, I mean, the thing is that because chameleons don't live as long as humans, he is proportionately older than her. Uh So he went from being her age mate to being like her older brother in a sense. Uh And so he's a little more world-wise than she is because he did have, you know, he had a discernible personality before he came across the tower, unlike her. Uh Um, And so he actually picks up on things that she doesn't, get and so them as a duo is like phenomenal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love it i also love how pascal in the series has been like riding around on like everybody's shoulders that was actually one of those those things i wrote down as a thing i want like way back before the series started i'm like i want pascal to not just hang out with rapunzel or even just rapunzel and eugene i want him to be like on everybody's shoulder and i'm like yay he's on everybody's shoulder it's great i love Um, when he's on eugene's shoulder it gets me right in the heart every single time (laughs) it's really cute like okay I, it wasn't recent at this point, but, like, months and months ago, possibly during the season one-two hiatus, I was watching um, What the Hair, and I noticed that when the whole electricity thing went off, um, there's this bit where, like, the ground shakes, and Pascal kind of, like, rattles off the little shelf he's uh-huh. on, and Eugene just reaches down and catches him <laughs> mid-fall. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're friends now! <laughs> like, like they both two have come so far. It's so cute. And But, I mean, even, I think one of the things that even gets me is in um, The Way of the Willow, how he's even chilling with Frederick, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. He hangs yeah. out with He's feeding them the hot dogs. I love that part so much. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Honestly, I like that in season two, he's eating a lot more bugs because like, honestly, I'm not sure what chameleons eat. (laughs) And I know that not hot dogs, but like cupcakes are not. So (laughs) like, 
That that chameleon eats a lot of people food. He should probably not be putting it in his chameleon tummy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so yeah, my overall opinion of of Pascal has increased dramatically since the series started, and. I mean, and what made me start liking him in the first place, it wasn't just watching the screen, but is as a Rapunzel role player, I really sat and thought about their relationship. And I thought about he was literally the only person she had. And how after her hair was cut and Gothel dies and Eugene dies and before she brings Eugene back, she's got that like minute and a half where the only thing in her life that hasn't changed is Pascal is still there. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, now she's seen the outside world. Now she doesn't have her magic hair anymore. Now she's fallen in love. Now her love has died. Now her mother has died. She's got nothing left but her best friend. And I'm like, you know what? This is actually a really significant relationship Mm -hmm. that I need to pay more attention to. So that's that's what that gets me with. So, Mm -hmm. So Maximus. Maximus, I loved from the very, very beginning of the movie. Like, the moment that made me know I was going to love that horse was when the captain barked the orders and then Maximus relayed the orders in horse to the other guard's horse. I was like, nope, I love him. This is fantastic. This is going to be really, really freaking funny. I love this horse. <laughs> and he goes on. I mean, you know, in the movie, he's, you know, he's a horse. He's a cop. He's a dog. He's all these things. And then in the series, he just continues to defy logic even higher uh-huh. and higher. Like, I... I, I will never get over him climbing Rapunzel's hair and Eugene being like, so horses can climb. That's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we are right there with you, Eugene, because of what just happened. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, the number of times that man is like the voice of reason to the audience, not just in the show, but to the audience. He's like, you're, you're saying what we're all thinking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so Max, I mean, and he's got this, clear crush that's starting to develop on Fidella or is there on Fidella and I feel like that's going to develop further because I'm noticing Fidella is starting to like be less stoic around him yeah like Mm -hmm. specifically notice in the um Vigor the Visionary at the very beginning when Rapunzel and Eugene are just talking date and Max kind of looks over at Fidella and just smiles just he just smiles. He's not like it's not even smiles knowingly or anything. That he just smiles and she smiles back. And I'm like, oh my god, she smiled. She never smiles. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah. So Fidella, even though she's not specifically on the list because she doesn't really have much of a personality at this point, I do feel like that that is actually going to go somewhere and that she is loosening up as horses go, in order to to make that happen. Uh-huh. Um, I think I actually like Max less in the series than I did in the movie. Um, I feel like he's. Either no, he's definitely just as competent, but I feel like he's not doing his job so much because yeah. you get the epilogue about how you know Prime Medusa almost down to zero thanks mostly to Max. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, you don't actually see him being crazy competent at his job while he's in Corona. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah. they have a whole episode about another horse being better at his job than him. Granted, that was like the plot, but it's still like, hmm, that's. So yeah, there's a little bit of of what's going on with Max. But I still love how Max is treated as a character, as a part of the team, and Fidella is still a horse. So it's mm-hmm. like she gets left with the caravan and Max comes along on adventures, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I do like Max though, and I like that that we have gotten a little bit of focus on him in the series. Yeah. Um, I just that- I just Go crack ahead. up every time he's in the castle. Oh my gosh, right? He's walking <laughs> in the castle and nobody cares. Like, I was actually wondering about-
wondering about that before the series started. I'm like, so is he just going to let Max walk around in the castle? Yep, yep. I guess they're going to let Max walk around in the castle. I mean, yeah. and when he fought, got the first promo and he's sitting there with Rapunzel's hair in his mouth, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And it's just... I just see him, like, climbing stairs and stuff. Like, it's just, it's yeah. the funniest thing yeah. to think about. And, like, how he actively guards her door and mm-hmm. marches back and forth in front of her door and, like, tells the other guards what to do and they listen to him. And I'm like, oh, my God. He is still, like, when he's doing his job, he is still totally amazing at his job. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also like how he is a shared horse. That, like, he and Fidella both. It's, like, when it's, like, two people are out, you get Max and Fidella. And sometimes Eugene and Rapunzel are both riding Max. And I'm like, that's kind of neat. I mean, yes, horses can handle two people but I kind of like that they bothered it to do that yeah mm-hmm. just give them an extra horse and then they just switch off because when the when the, we got the first five minutes I was like who is this brown horse and why is Rapunzel riding her and not riding Max with Eugene you know yeah. or, and I remember in the novelization of before ever after one of the things I loved was talking about how um Max and Eugene are now like so in sync when they're writing that they can like judge each other's thoughts basically mm-hmm. and they can react to each other's like mm-hmm. slightest little little um words hold on yep. ah, waking up okay i'm awake <laughs> and how yep. you can and how they can react to they can each react to each other's slightest little um motions or anything like that just directions and they just they get it and it's really cool to be all buddy buddy in this series like some time ago i made a gift set of like eugene and max being buddy buddy and i'm like that's fantastic like these two like in the movie these two are bitter enemies and now they're like best friends and Mm -hmm. it's so great i love it character development (laughs) with with eugene and max uh you know knowing like being so in sync it just makes me think of of uh, our mental synchronization. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, no. But how about in Rapunzel's little fantasy world with Max and Ariana like dancing like Belle and the Beast? <laughs> like, so silly. You know that Max would do the synchronization dance and like Eugene would do it too and now I want somebody to draw that. That would be hysterically funny. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. I love it. I love it. Oh, man. Okay. So, finally, we're starting to break into new characters, and we're going to pick up with Cassandra. And, like, she took forever to grow on me. Like, Uh I had a lot of, I had a lot of, I feel like I'm supposed to like you, so I'm going to keep giving you a try. But Uh she rubbed me the wrong way at first. And it, it started with her being, like, totally mean to Eugene, which was... Like, I'm like, I get that that's her character, but like, dang, chill Mm -hmm. out, you know? And I remember all of our speculation for months and months and months about why is she like that? What is her motivation? You know, is it just because she's the captain's daughter? Is it just because she wants to be a guard? Does she feel like he's actually lacking as a human being? Is it just Mm -hmm. because what she's used to? Is it because her dad spent so much time chasing Flynn Rider that he didn't have time for his daughter? Mm -hmm. Like, so there was just all the speculation going around. And I'm like, well, whatever the reason is, she needs to stop, you know? Yeah. And so things I don't like about Cass is like, and this is actually lightened up considerably in season two, which is amazing, is that... Cass is so competitive that she will become petty in order to 
you know, win mm-hmm. and, and prove herself and whatnot. She will, I mean, not to open up a can of worms, but challenge of the brave. Like, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> challenge of the brave is so many feelings. 100% like the epitome of why do I like her again? Uh-huh. Like, I like, I was so mad at her that episode. And even now when I go back and I watch the episode of we're, you know, halfway through season two and I go back and I watch challenge of the brave. I'm like, Cass, you know, I'm <laughs> just like, I think I started warming up to her more closed off side in Cassandra versus Eugene mm-hmm. when she refused to talk about her past with him, which let's be real. She did not owe him. And I could appreciate that she didn't owe him. And she wasn't rude about it. She's just like, you know, I don't really want to talk about this with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that was actually about as polite as you could be while also blowing someone off. Yeah. So um, so I really like how in season two, she is blossoming while not under her dad's watchful eye. Because she's not presently trying to impress him at all. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. She's just, she's she's opening up, she's loosening up, she is absolutely giving in to her love of roughhousing. Um, it's just, I mean, and she's a lot of fun to watch grow, and then when we go around to Goodbye and Goodwill, like, Rapunzel was completely in the wrong in that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, I really like how it shows how far Cassandra has come. And I also love how she and Eugene's relationship, like, it developed so naturally that they started off butting heads completely. And then... As the series goes on, you're just like, wait, they're actually friends now, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Like, they're actually friends now, aren't they? And you have, like, in Painter's Block, how she goes following past him and he catches her. And then you have in the quest for Varian, when they're just, when he, like, does one of his typical insults. And she's like, oh, I walked into that one. And I'm like, oh, my God. She, like, she's not mad at all. She's just like, nope, I deserved it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like. I'm, I love her development over the course of the series thus far, and it's going to show how it kind of reminds me of how Rapunzel affects everyone she meets. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the pub thugs, like, they all warmed up really, really fast while maintaining themselves, which is great. But Cassandra, she, her, she's warming up slowly, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's been a long process. But, like, Cassandra doesn't show strong emotion easily, and she's shown some very strong emotion in season two. And so that shows how she is developing as a character and how, I mean, because like Freebird, if for all the crap I gave Freebird, Cassandra's emotional display was like amazing in mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. it's like not only crying over Rapunzel, but then like basically going bloodlust on mother and father mm-hmm. and being like, well, then I'm a cut of bitch, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, so it's like, yeah, so a lot of her more negative traits that I am not fond of are actually being smoothed out as the series goes on. And I really appreciate that as character development goes. So um, here's my and- thing with Cass. She, I didn't like her at first because, you know, they announced the show and we're like, okay, we're getting, we're getting the characters that we know back. And then she started popping up in merch, and then she started popping up on the trailer, and then on the or the, the the poster, and then she started popping up in the covers of the books. And I'm like, okay, so now we have this new character we have to get used to. And I was almost like, I don't, I don't want a new character. I was like, I want the ones that I know. So it took a while for her to grow onto me, and then after Challenge of the Brave, it took even longer. But I like her now. Yeah, back. <laughs> Slide and challenge of the brave. I'm like, no, I'm starting to get used to you. Oh no, I hate. <laughs> so, but yeah, no. So, yeah, no. It. I mean, and I think that I really appreciate that 
that, you know, I think that kind of goes with her character development that the audience likes her better as the series goes on. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like that was almost part of the point that like, oh, but we have this other member of the team who's new to the viewers. And so like, she's part of the team. So we're supposed to like her, Mm -hmm. but like, She's also very abrasive, and so that's She's not kind of a hard me any reason to like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, yes, yeah, absolutely. Because there's so many people who like loved her so hard right off the bat, and I'm not a sword wife kind of person. It's like if you give my wife a sword, I'm very happy. But a woman mm-hmm. picking up a sword does not automatically become my sword wife, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm like, so she's tough. So what else is she? You know, it's like she can't just be this snarky sword-wielding, violence-loving maniac and expect me, and you guys expect me to love her, but, like, no. Now I, I really appreciate Cassandra, mm-hmm. and she's yeah. good fun. So, okay, moving down the line, we are now on King Frederick. Hmm. And we have a lot to say about King Frederick, and a lot has been said, like, on the blogs, and so I'm going to try to find pull out the things that I actually like about him before I go off on any sort of crazy rant. Um, he genuinely loves his family very much to the point that he will do literally anything for them. Uh-huh. Um, it's not always advised, but he will do it. And I think that's, you know, that is an admirable trait in a human being who is not ruling a country. Um, and it's like, you see him in his softer moments. He's actually a lot of fun. Like, look at him in, in like Flynn. He was hysterically funny uh-huh. in, in, like, Flynn when he was just, like, the old dad who's out of shape trying to play with the kids. And it's like, <laughs> oh, goodness. Like, I suspect that under there somewhere there used to be actual actual stealth. You used to be, like, kind of good at this. Like, because kings, by nature, were also the leaders of the armies back in the day. And so it's like the guy was a fighter at one point in his life. Mm-hmm. He's not anymore, and so watching him try to, like, act as though he never stopped was kind of really funny. Mm -hmm. And also, him using his very, very proper language and dialogue, but, like, try to use it in a hip way cracks me up. Mm -hmm. Like, infantile boobery is still one of my favorite (laughs) things that he has ever said. (laughs) Or or just like, yes, I want to get in on these shenanigans and, and just, oh, man. I mean, like, so he does have his funny stuff. And I appreciate that about him. And obviously, he's learning a lot as the series goes on. But as a non-main character, we don't see what he's learning during the course of season two. Yes. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's had to learn how to have a family, not just have a missing daughter. And... You know, that's got to be, like, hard on a person that, that, you know, they have this image in their head of this family that they love, and then that person comes back, and it's not what they imagined. Mm-hmm. And so they are, they have to reconcile that, mm-hmm. you know, between what they have been imagining. Like, I mean, try to tell me that Frederick and Ariana did not think of her as a baby for 18 years. Like, yeah. They probably tried very hard not to, but that was the only picture they had of her. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, so she's a baby, and even though she's an adult now, she's still a baby. So, I mean, that's so that's what goes with that. But, I mean, as for his actions as a human being, um, and a king, for that matter, um, he has done some very, very questionable things. Mm-hmm. Like, there's been on Tumblr some debate lately about, you know, it's not really blaming either Rapunzel or Varian or whatnot, but 
my biggest thought needs to be that actually as the adults and the parents, it's Frederick and Kieran's responsibility to make sure their children are properly informed as to the situation. And both of them were keeping secrets and Frederick was keeping more secrets and spying on his daughter and locking her in a tower and doing a lot of really, really questionable Mm -hmm. stuff. But I mean, and so there's just Fred, come on, you know, (laughs) a lot of it is come on. So um, I know I've stated before that I found the ending of season one kind of dissatisfying, like between between the whole journal thing never coming up, because, yeah. I mean, violation of privacy is something that I had to deal with growing up. And so seeing it glossed over was very unsatisfying. And and having Rapunzel, there we go. There's another thing I dislike about Rapunzel. She forgives people way too easily. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Straight up, she's like, "Oh no, it's okay. I understand." I'm like, "Try to not understand sometimes, yeah. you know." Yeah, try. I'm try like, to Rapunzel, I've gone through some of that stuff. You uh, no, don't forgive people that easily. They yeah. do not deserve it. Yeah. Not when they're I mean, like that to you. I mean, and like, it's like she didn't even get a chance to say her piece. You know, uh-huh. it was just she busted out of jail. Because let's be real, that was jail. She busted out of jail, and immediately they had to go into the fray with you know, where Rudiger. And from there, Frederick started seeing that Rapunzel could handle herself. And then from there, Ariana got kidnapped. And from there, he was sitting in his room all sad. And she came up and he told her the story. And she's like, oh, no, you might not be a very good king, but you're a good father. And I'm like, no, honey, you still got all this shit you got to go down with, Uh you know? So, like, I was very dissatisfied that all of that just got pushed under the rug for the sake of family. And I'm like, you You don't always have to forgive your family. You just don't. No matter if they do it out of love or not, if he had owned up to doing things wrong, that would have been one thing, but it didn't even come up. Mm-hmm. And that's so frustrating. So, so frustrating. And then, like, at the end, when he's like, okay, well, I can see now that you're ready to go on beyond the wall, blah, blah, blah. It's like, honey, it's really not up to you. She is technically an adult. Mm-hmm. And she has been staying inside Corona out of respect for you. You know, it's like not just out of respect for him as her father, but also as her king. Like, but you try to tell me that, like, the little man doesn't, like, break rules all the time that the king will never find out about, you know? So it's like, it's mm, so unsatisfying. So unsatisfying. And I was also very dissatisfied that in Happiness is that it was portrayed that Frederick was the one she was missing the whole time. And I'm like, you got a mom, sweetie, you know? So... Yeah, I'm just, uh, so, mm, Fred, do better. Fred, yeah, please mm-hmm. do better. You've still got, you know, I'm assuming we're spending, going into the assumption that we're spending all of season two outside of Corona, then I'll say, Fred, you've got a season left to, like, do better. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So, I think of everybody on our list for tonight, um, Fred's my least favorite character because of that, because he did not do better. Um, cause like, even like minor characters, it's like, well, at least when you were on screen, I approved of what you were doing. Uh-huh. You know? So sorry, Fred. I mean, <laughs> no offense, but you better. Um, but onto Ariana, who I know we had a lot of conversation over the summer about Ariana mm-hmm. and about what she deserves versus what she got. Uh-huh. Um, so for what we have genuinely seen of her in canon, um, she's charming. I love her. Like she's she's I she's the quintessential diplomat. And 
I'm actually somebody who is very diplomatic myself, and I try very hard to be polite and to try to see other people's points of view. And so seeing Ariana doing these things makes me be like, yeah, that's not easy. I've done that. That is not easy. <laughs> so like, so in happiness is when she just became this completely slovenly, like feet on the table, shoving food in her mouth with her hands. I'm like, Oh, this is when she's not trying so very hard to be a diplomat. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, but yeah, so it's like, and I really enjoyed in um, Way of the Willow seeing her lose her cool, like, in a real genuine way, because it's also hard to always try to be a peacekeeper, and then you just can't do it anymore because somebody is driving you up the freaking wall. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I love Ariana for all that stuff. Um, I wish that she did not put husband before daughter. Um, because mm-hmm. it's like I get, I mean, because at, at the beginning it looked like she was really going to be kind of be like the little rebellious thorn in Rapunzel's side mm-hmm. and be like, no, go do the thing, no, go do the thing. And then she wasn't. And then in Secret of the Sundrop, when she goes into Rapunzel's room and Rapunzel runs to her, basically, you know, begging her to have some good news. And she's like, you know, you just have to forgive your father. And I'm like, no, no. no. Ariana, do not. You should have been there to break her out. That's what you should have been there doing. Well, and she I mean, even says she doesn't agree with it, but she's like, yeah. he does it out of love. I'm like, mm, mm. No, 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 no. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you guys. Like, oh, cool. That's that's definitely how people, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of words, but they <laughs> excuse abusers. There yeah. we go. Oh. Like, oh no, he does it out of love. It's like no. It's like, I mean. No. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, another thing, it's like that, yeah, so that was extremely frustrating that she just allows Frederick to treat their daughter that way. It's like, look, you're her parent too, you know? Mm-hmm. You have like, more of that makes me wonder if behind closed doors she like argued with him and then he's like, oh, I am your king and I forbid it. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, cause he pulls that card a lot. The I'm the king. And really I forbid- <laughs> I'm the king and I forbid it. You know, you can't rule your family that way, dude. You know? And it's just weird because, like, you know, Fred's doing a lot of the same stuff that Gothel does or mm-hmm. did. And I'm like, did Gothel do that out of love? Mm-hmm. Huh? No, no, she did right. not. So maybe stop being that way, Ariana. Yeah, because yeah, it's like, because if nothing else, Rapunzel's undeveloped psyche would pr- probably is having difficulty like discerning the difference mm-hmm. you know how much confusion did she have while she was locked in her room about Gothel being like okay well she said she loved me you know mm-hmm. so did she love me and and so like yeah so I, I uh, ah, that was, uh, that was very, very frustrating but going back to something else that I do like about her um, I like in the return of Strongbow Going back to, like, this kind of goes back to her diplomacy. I do like, though, that she didn't just straight up forgive Eugene for taking her ring. And she's like, no, dude, that was, like, a terrible day for me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, I sincerely doubt that she still still feels traumatized by that moment. But, like, she probably carried that with her for a very long time, mm-hmm. you know? And then to have it like, oh, by the way, this guy who wants to marry your daughter is the one who did that to you. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's lovely, you know? <laughs> Cool. Cool story, bro. Thanks. I hate it. Yeah, thanks. I hate it. Cool story, bro. Still grand larceny, you know? (laughs) 
So, yeah, but I mean, it's like, I really, I, one of my hopes for her is to actually get to see her in a maternal light. Because uh-huh. it's like, she wasn't being maternal towards Eugene there. She was being a good queen, you know? She yeah. was being, she was oddly being maternal towards Rapunzel while, while allowing Eugene to feel guilty, you know? Uh-huh. So I guess she figured that his punishment was, well, you have to wait and see what the king does. And then when nothing ever happened, Eugene knew that he was off the hook. But yeah, so I would just I I wish we could see a more like more bonding between her and her mom, because, you know, you've got the original story, which is about this woman who pretends to be her mom. And then she finds out that she that isn't her mom. And she has to relearn this whole thing with a new mom and getting used to that. And I. I just wish that we could see that more. I feel like I that's agree, an yeah. important part of this. And like, I was honestly a little disappointed at that way of the willow, how they had this big bonding trip had like no bonding between them. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, cause willow shows up and then willow steals Ariana's thunder and Rapunzel's paying a lot of attention to willow. And then Will- Ariana walks off and it's sad. And then Ariana and willow kind of reconcile. And I'm like, yeah, but where was that actual bonding between Ariana and Rapunzel that yeah. we were promised? Exactly. It's like yeah. ever after all over again. Here's the thing we were promised, and then we weren't given the thing we were promised. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. But yeah, so back to where the willow. It was really nice to see her be human and not diplomatic and lose her temper. So it's nice to know that that's under there. Mm-hmm. And I want to see more of the woman in the journal. You know, yeah. she's like, oh, mm-hmm. these grand adventures that she had, and here's the stuff that she used to do, and how how hands on helpful she used to be. You know, mm-hmm. like helping people rebuild a village. I'm like, show me that, Ariana. I want to see that. Um, yeah. So. Yep. So I think that my biggest thing with Ariana is she she has a lot of potential there that has been unrealized. Yep. So, like, yeah, we have the canon facts, and we've got you know the the imaginary past, and and I want to see more of that done. Yep. Okay, now it's time for everybody's favorite Tangle Boy. It is time for our opinion of Varian. Yay! <laughs> the smallest boy. He's so smallest small. <laughs> He's so small. Okay, so, like, I give him grief, and I feel like... I feel like I give him more grief than I probably actually do. Like, mm-hmm. what I do more than anything else is defend, Rapu- defend Rapunzel regarding people who want to put the blame on her. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's not anti-variant stuff, I say. It's just anti-anti-Rapunzel, you know? It's like, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So Varian, like, I straight up love the noodle. He is so cute, and he is, like, so in-your-face energetic and charming. I remember, like, the first time we saw him, I was like, oh, no, I love him. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And... Like, that didn't really go away, and actually watching his turn to villainy has been really interesting, because we got to see it happen, you know? Uh It's like, so many characters, the turn is part of the backstory, and you just get, okay, no, this this character is going through, you know, they're so tortured, and they're so dark, but they're, they're sympathetic, and then they get... Um, redeemed and they become one of the heroes and all's happy and good. I actually really like seeing Varian start out on the hero's side and then go to the villainous side and most very likely being redeemed and going back to the hero's side. Mm -hmm. So that is genuinely, I mean, I, I will say it as many times as I need to. I am genuinely hoping for that. And that is actually the way I see it going. Mm -hmm. Like I'm hoping season three has kind of like a, like, 
um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an alliance. Like they're not friends yet, but they have they formed an alliance because mm-hmm. they need each other to keep whatever's going to happen from happening. Um, and then it slowly gets built up to redemption. Um, I love how in The Alchemist Returns, how you've you've got the flip sides, and you could tell the whole episode that like he's not on board with Rapunzel anymore as a person. Mm-hmm. Like starting at when she hugs him and he doesn't hug her back at all you're like oh he's not a happy boy i mean i don't blame him but like you know you see that happening but i like how he even while in the middle of pretending that he was doing this all for corona even while paying rapunzel lip service and saying that he wanted what she wanted like while concentrating on that he still managed to break into the oh my god the science is amazing and the oh no mm-hmm. we're gonna get and yep. like so like he's still this cute little kid underneath it all and even when he proceeded to go home and build a bunch of giant robots like we saw none of that in the secret of the sun drop but the secret of the sun drop is varian's bad day the way that that the movie tangled is the other character's bad day you know mm-hmm. that one it's, episode is not indicative of his entire personality it's varian's uh terrible horrible no good very bad day <laughs> <laughs> terrible horrible no good very bad day and so it's like and so his the final words that we were left with is you know i'll make you proud dad no matter what the cost or whatever it was and um i mean i know that there's there's varying fans out there who have that word for word and know exactly what he said um but like i honestly because we're not seeing the real him for all of season two thus far and i know that we all had like ideas of prison break and I just don't think that's going to happen at this point Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it would actually be kind of funny if the gang gets back to Corona and he is for all intents and purposes like reintroduced into society so like they get back and he's not in jail and they're like oh no he's escaped and like no 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 It's (laughs) it's okay so, like, and I want him to be, like, the snarky guy who leans on Frederick's sword and calls him dad. That's who I'm hoping we yes. see up for a lot of seasons. Yeah. So it's, like, still being, like, fascinated with the world of science and whatnot, but, like, just not putting up with anyone's crap. And just, like, he's done not being listened to. He's done being talked over. He's done being told no by people he considers authorities, you know? And so I'm really hoping in season three we see more of of that variant. And and so like yeah, like my biggest issues with him are sincerely that he's utterly delusional about this blame placement. Uh-huh. Like he's absolutely refusing to to accept responsibility for anything that's happened to the point of literally saying it's not my fault. Uh-huh. It's like. Yeah kiddo honey a lot of it is your fault you know it's like if you had i mean kieran should have told him what was up with the rocks because as a scientist he needs to know the facts or he will experiment until he knows the facts you know Uh and so like i blame kieran as much as varian for varian continuing to mess with the rocks but varian you messing with the rocks is what made what happened to kieran happen and that is not Rapunzel's fault. Rapunzel failing to help you did not make that happen. Because guess what? If she had shown up after the snowstorm and tried to help him, they would have found out right then and there that her hair couldn't do anything. And are you trying to tell me that Varian would not have, like, continued experimenting in her absence? Because, uh-huh. like, 
just, I mean, he, it's what he does. He, he experiments and blows things up. It's what he does. You know, even when his experiments are like really, really good, like that hall cleaning stuff that proceeded to set him on fire, you know, <laughs> it worked, but it also exploded, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, so that's just the thing is that like very in, I, I really hope in season three or whenever he shows up again, that he has reached a new level of maturity that he's not having at age 14. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, so at this point now, he's probably had a birthday. He's probably rolling into 15 now, you know? And 15 is actually when you start seeing, like, classic stories about child heroes often happen when they're 15. Because 15 begins to be that coming-of-age process when their brain starts to settle down. And Mm -hmm. it's like, honestly, in in actual studied psychology, at 18, your brain's still not done developing, you know? Like, it varies by gender, but I think, like, the average for girls is 20 and the average for guys is 25. So it's like, he's still got a ways to go, but... All I need to see from him is, like, genuine remorse. It's kind of like with yeah. Frederick. All I need to see is some genuine remorse. Like, Frederick sat on that bed feeling sorry for himself and feeling bad that he had lied about the rocks in the first place, but you didn't see any sense of him feeling bad for what he did to Rapunzel, and that's where I need his his remorse to come from. Mm-hmm. So, similarly, I need Varian to acknowledge that Rapunzel did what was best for the kingdom. I mean, and actually acknowledge it. Like, seriously, in in The Alchemist Returns, I felt a lot like he was paying her lip service the entire time. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I know. You had to do what was best for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, but yeah. I don't think you believe that, Varian. I think you are saying what she wants to hear so she'll trust you, you know? So mm-hmm. I, need, I need the two of them to have a genuine heart-to-heart. And yes... Rapunzel has some things to apologize for, but if it's a one-sided apology, then I'm going to lose it. Like, lose my freaking mind if Varian does not apologize for what he did, you know? Like, sure, if if my my kind of hope prediction is right and they show up for season three and they go back to Corona and he's out of jail and all this kind of stuff, and society has forgiven him, I still need him to get Rapunzel and the rest of them to forgive him. Mm -hmm. Like, and now I just had this, like, adorable vision of, like, Marion apologizing and Lance being like, that's okay, we forgive you. And I'm like, Lance, you don't know him. <laughs> you don't you even had, know, bud. <laughs> yeah. You had a real interaction with him. Even in the episode that you were in together, you did not have a real interaction with him. I mean, I go back and I think about the line where he's like, oh, well, if I know Varian, I'm like, you don't know Varian, like, at all. So, <laughs> I love you, Lance, but shush. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah so it's like i just i need that from from varian i need a sincere apology and i need him to acknowledge that he done screwed up you yeah. know mm-hmm. so like please varian please writers please let that be how it was you know yes, please. Since, it's, since it's done and written please let that be the case okay so while we're on varian we're going to move on to kieran and kieran like i honestly i have very little opinion of him for a very long time like he's not in too many episodes and i don't generally go for like the stoic character i'm like okay so you're like tough dad you're world weary with like this craziness that your son has been up to for your his entire life um i didn't know much what to make of him but now that we have seen 
for a fact that he is part of the Brotherhood. And now that we have seen him in the flashback with King Edmund, I'm way more intrigued about him. Because uh-huh. it's like, okay, so there's like a lot more to you than we've seen. And I really want to know what that lot more is. Um, I like that. I dislike, like I said before, I dislike that he is part and parcel to the lying to people and causing them to do things and to find out answers for themselves. If he had been straight with Varian the whole time, then, you know, this wouldn't have happened. And it makes me wonder, okay, so he straight up told Frederick, if you take that flower, then these spikes are going to happen. And then Frederick did it anyway. But why is he so against letting Varian know what the spikes mean? You Mm. know, it's like this. Oh, theory just popped into my head. Maybe he's against Varian knowing what the spikes mean because he knows that Varian would have gone on this journey himself if he learned Mm. about the spikes in the Dark Kingdom. He's like, I don't want my son to leave home and like blaze a trail of unintentional, well-meaning destruction all the way to the Dark Kingdom. I don't want Varian to try to touch the opal, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, like, maybe that's why he's so freaking secretive. Um, and also, of course, we still have... He is literally just the biggest question mark of the entire series so far. Because he's got that note in his hand. And we have the question of, so is he alive in the amber? And we've got yeah. the question of, what is on that note... That they're obviously, what's on the, Chris has said that what is on the note is important. So we're going to find out what's on the note before he gets freed. Whether he's alive or not, we're going to find out before he gets freed. Uh And, like, we know that they're, like, not afraid to kill people. So, like, is Kieran actually dead in there? And, I mean, they have him in this whole stasis thing. And honestly, it's Tangled. It wouldn't surprise me if he was alive, but it's the Tangled crew, so it wouldn't surprise me if he were dead, you know? It's like, he's just, he's got all these questions and mysteries going around him, and he's part of the Brotherhood, which is a giant mystery, and, you know, he knew Adira, who's a giant mystery, and so, yeah, Kieran is just like, the heck is going on with you, man? Like, Mm -hmm. seriously, Mm -hmm. what's going on with this guy? So, um, so yeah, so, so, yeah. (laughs) Um, so we mentioned briefly while talking about Varian, we mentioned Lance, who I like love so much. Like uh-huh. he's, he's absolutely my favorite of the new characters. Um, and I literally, I loved him from the first moment that I saw him. Like they did the whole, like he had his cloak on and he was like chasing him in the shadows. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like. He's got Eugene spooked to the point where, like, Eugene didn't even recognize him, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, he's, I would actually really love to see that part of Lance again. Like, he still got it because he didn't leave it all that long ago. So he still got it. And I would love to see him be this sneaky, underhanded, like, let Eugene and Lance, like, need to be thieves again for some reason or another and be, like, really good at it. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, like, so from the first moment where he was faking Eugene out, to him falling on the ground and groaning out, pleased to meet you. I'm like, oh no, I love him so much. Just <laughs> like, he was just, I've, I've, I've adored him from the very beginning. And I've adored every silver tongue, sweet talking thing that he has said. And then at the end of the return to Strongbow, when he like just did a 180 and he's all like, you know, you know what? I'm like, oh my gosh, I like him even more now. <laughs> and, 
then we got him in Big Brothers of Corona, and I just loved him even more, because all of a sudden we find out, like, how into, like, cute things he is, and in how into fancy things he is, and I'm just like, this guy, man, he's absolutely, <laughs> like, he, I mean, I don't want to say that he's grown on me, because there was nothing to grow, like, I picked him out at the store, and I took him home with me deliberately, <laughs> I love yeah. this guy, like, honestly, like, I just, I can't with him, he's so funny, and in season two, he's getting developed, and it's just getting better, and just like, dang, he is so funny. I mean, and I look how in season two, it shows that he's not entirely 100% done being a thief because he will just like lift little things from people that that they never notice, like those freaking goggles from Calliope. Like yep. every time he gifts or screen caps of him wearing those goggles, I'm like, oh my God, and he just stole them after she took them away from him and put them back where they went. It's like, nah, these are mine now. <laughs> just like... And it makes me wonder if, like, anybody else in the group even noticed. Because, like, they didn't tell him to put them back. And he was blatantly wearing them around him, around them. So, just like, oh, my gosh, are they either forgiving or did, were they just that annoyed with Calliope, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, and it's just so funny. And, like, his propensity to name things the most basic possible thing that he could possibly name them. Like... Red is red because she has red hair, and oldie is oldie is oldie because they were old, and like socky is socky because he's a sock, and and snoozy snooze, snoozy is snoozy because they caught him he was asleep, and it's like oh my god, like I just love how he like has like no imagination when it comes to naming things, and his use of the word fancy is so great, and him being perpetually hungry is like I love it. Mm-hmm. And like now in um, happiness is all of his little dancing. I mean, his dancing is coming up like he's a theater dude. Like so clearly he's into the theater. And part of that is the dancing because in the return of Quaid and in happiness is he shows us some of his dance moves. And I love how like hooks was like totally like supportive of his dancing. And it's just like, that is the cutest little side bro TP that's like never focused on. And it is so cute. Um, so basically like I have nothing I dislike about Lance and I try and I thought, see, I thought during the return of Stronger that I was going to, and then in like Pascal's story that like, oh, you're still kind of just, you're still underhanded and you'll like backstab people you like or people who like you. But then like he grew out of that. So I'm like, okay, so that's not actually something I dislike about you anymore because it's gone. So... I mean, and, like, also one of the things I love about him is that he's not afraid to show what people would consider his, quote, feminine side, but, like, he's emotional and he's not afraid to be emotional. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's not afraid to blatantly hard-eyes at Adira. And he's not afraid to, like, scream in panic when something makes him panic, which is so many things, because he's, like, jumpy. And, like, ugh, I just, I love Lance so much. And honestly, in season two, there are a lot of episodes where, like, it would be like way worse if Lance wasn't in that episode. It yeah. just he like he he makes my day so often. Like he's just so great. Uh, I love him. He's I want to be his friend. He's so awesome. <laughs> yes. So speaking of Lance and his propensity to name things what they are, we are now on to Angry and Red, who are, you know, officially recurring characters because they've been in two episodes. Woo! Mm-hmm. So, um, Angry and Red, like, 
I'm out, honestly, I'm very glad that they did not do a 100% complete 180 go clean. I believe Angry when she says that they haven't stolen anything between, you know, the crown and Vigor. But they're still like, they had no qualms with like, they had no qualms with taking Vigor, for example. And they had no qualms with tying up the Daylight Gang, who, I mean, they ought to have. But like, just, it's like, it feels like they're still practicing their ways, even when they're not practicing their ways, you know? Um, I'm really excited to hear that we're going to see them again in season three because we've we've seen um, talk of their voice actors recording lines for episodes in season three. So that makes me wonder if my original thought that like way back when the series started and I'm like, OK, if we're going to have like a great big boss battle of some sort at the end is like every recurring character going to show up for this battle. Are we going to see like everybody again who has be been more awesome. than one episode? That would be kind of amazing. Like, I would really love to see everybody show up to, like, have people's backs and this massive epic battle. That'd be really, yeah. really cool. And then Shorty saves the day. Yes. Because that's how this show works. Oh yes. It's all right. <laughs> they don't know what they're going to do. And then Shorty just, like, throws a fish or a yam or whatever. It's, and it's all solved. Yep. We're on a safe. Go, Shorty. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. But I mean, it's hard to say, it's hard to really definitively say what I specifically like and don't like about Angry and Red since they're like not in too many episodes. They don't have a lot of character development. I like that they were so guarded, so, so guarded about trusting people, but that they also weren't 100% guarded and that they were able to be like, oh, somebody actually cares about us and we can like acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I appreciate that. And I like how they are, while they are a package deal, they are not identical in personality. And I really like that. Um, Cause red is a lot softer, a lot less cynical. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's really adorable about her. And I hope, honestly, I hope we get an episode that she's a little bit more central to the focus. Because it's like, in Brothers of Corona, Big Brothers of Corona, um, they were like, equal parts, you know, the main new character. And then in Big Brothers Visionary, the focus was on Angry. So I would really like to see something focused on Red. I have not completely abandoned the idea that she is Stallion's little sister. That's like... That's not abandoned. That's still like, oh, no, who knows? That could happen again, you know? Um, I don't 100% think that we have seen the last of the Baron and Stallion, because if we have, then that was really anticlimactic yeah. for how much they do. I'm going to be sad, honestly. Like, I want, like, I want they... Stallion to come back. She's terrible, and I love her. <laughs> yeah, because I want Rapunzel to be petty towards she's... her again. And I don't mean she's a terrible character. I mean she's a terrible a terrible person. person, yes. She's a, she's, she's a terrible she's people that you love to hate. She's a terrible catty bitch, and I love her. <laughs> she's, she's one of those people that you love to hate and hate to love and love to love and hate to hate, you know? Yeah. But, um, no, but, like, honestly, they've built up to the Baron so strong that if that was all we see of them and if, like, they was taken down by his own spider and that's the end, then, like, that's, like, a letdown, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Like, but Stallion did say that they'd be back, and I'm inclined to believe her. Um, Just don't know when. Of course, it'd be kind of cool if, like, they had this big old, like, 
villains versus heroes showdown thing. So, like, mm-hmm. all the villains were back and all the heroes were back. And, like, I don't know, Jen Teary, like, is controlling all the villains. And I don't know. That would be amazing. So, yeah. Um, Angry and Red, they are... I loved them from the first moment I saw them. And I am glad that they are... They are my precious girls. And I love them with all my heart. <laughs> and now that they are package deals, I just... I'm straight up let... Lance have them. Let yep. Eugene and Rapunzel have their own kids and let Lance have the girls. Just like, yeah. Yes. And then Eugene can be fun Uncle Eugene, you know? Yes. Oh. Except he's he he's not fun at all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's the one disciplining them because Lance is like, have fun! Do whatever the hell you want! <laughs> Eugene's like, wait, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. God, Lance Disciplinary Uncle him. Eugene then because you oh. know what? That's so cute. I think it was fun occasionally. They'll hang out with fun Aunt Rapunzel, and then Eugene will be there and be like, okay, but, like, no. Also, no. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So, now we've got Adira, who is still this gigantic mystery, and, like, as we've discussed, the meta behind the face paint is that we don't know all of her. Like, that was a deliberate visual cue that she is hiding something. Mm Mm-hmm. But it makes you wonder what it is that she's hiding. And it makes you wonder, like, I recently started speculating that maybe she did not have loyalties to King Edmund, but has loyalties to the Brotherhood. Like, so it's like she was in the Dark Kingdom to help. But, I mean, I noticed recently that if you look at the marks on Adira and Kirin, they are not only on opposite hands, but they're not facing the same direction. And I just, that could mean nothing or it can mean something and Mm -hmm. i'm I'm just like so does that mean anything you know and so um yeah so i'm wondering if it's like this is like just like the dark kingdom is this chapter of the brotherhood but that the brotherhood is more far-reaching than that and if she's from like a different chapter and she was in the kingdom because that's where the opal was or something like that because like king edmund's all like keep everybody far away from here don't let them anywhere near the opal, yada, yada, yada. And Adira's all like, oh, let me help you get to the Dark Kingdom. <laughs> I'm <all> like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, Edmund, like, gave an order. So are you, like, not loyal to him? Or, like, do you... I mean, obviously she knows stuff that we don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, just, come on, woman. Speak. <laughs> also, I do wonder about her. Like, does she know they're on that island? Or is she, like, on the other side of the ocean going, like, where the hell are they? They should have gotten here by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder so many characters if they're like, like okay, honestly, Rapunzel sends that lantern back to Frederick and Ariana, and like, were they like, where the hell did this come from? You know, <laughs> is yeah. she making is she making lanterns on the road, or this one looks old? What the hell? It's so, okay. Bird Varian told Adira that they crashed <laughs> on the island. They're all on the same page. Yeah, right. Bird Varian is like letting everybody know what's going on. <laughs> That's Good what's going job, Bird Barian. <laughs> He's our hero. Best <laughs> bird boy. But yeah, so it's like, so Adira, I feel like, I mean, one of the things I love about her is, like, she is, it's, it's, if I knew her in person, I'd hate her. Like, I honestly feel that way because she's so, like, blase and know it all about everything that I'm like, no, if I knew you in person, I would, I would want to punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, like, little things like, like, oh, you know, you're going to have to try it. Oh, you are trying. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, that is so condescending. Holy crap. <laughs> but at the same time, 
time, it was also amazing to see Cassandra go at somebody full tilt and that somebody be like, school her without like lifting a weapon. Just like, no, no, I'm just going to dodge and kick things out of your hand. And that's Mm -hmm. all I'm going to do, you know? So like, she's, she's just, she's the second biggest question mark in the series so far. Because she's been in more episodes than Kieran at this point, I think. Mm. Like, I mean, not counting counting statue Kieran, who doesn't have a personality. But um, actually... Hey, he still has a personality in there. Come on. Okay, yeah, but it's in stasis. And, like, we are not getting any further information from him or about him while he's in stasis. He's very reserved. (laughs) Very reserved. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, Kieran. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. His stony silence is killing me. Oh, my okay. gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so Adira, we've seen more of Adira, but there's also been, like, I don't know, almost inconsistencies that's, like, all harkens back to she's a mystery, so it's, like, we don't actually know what she's like yet. Mm-hmm. Like, her helping them through the force of no return, which, by the way, she then has that little, like, funny thing where she insists on saying it dramatically, and if anybody pronounces it not dramatically, she's like, no, do it dramatically. The forest of no return. But, um, so she helps them through, and it's like, it almost feels like she's like, no, I'm going to take this time to mentor Eugene for some reason. And it's like, but what is your reasoning? Mm -hmm. You know? It's like, Mm -hmm. then... Darkness. She took a look at him and she was like, mm. I know who you are and where you belong. I know who you are. <laughs> right. So, um. Sorry, tangent. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, she is just so enigmatic. And, like, honestly, part, I mean, I'm so ready for them to get back on the road because I'm ready to know more about her. I'm ready to just know more about what the hell is going on. And, like,. I'm with Eugene. Like my fondest, my fondest wish is for them to get off the island. That's just where I am mm-hmm. right now. Get off the island, but you know you don't have to change clothes back. What you're wearing is fine. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Get off. Yeah, it's totally just, fine. You can take off it, more if you want. Yeah. <laughs> you want to just, uh, you know, unbutton a couple more of those buttons? Maybe just take the whole shirt off. <laughs> you could lose the pants too if you want. I don't care. Whatever you're comfortable with. I mean. Yeah. Whatever is most comfortable for you. Right. He's oh, like, I think you put more clothes on now. People are starting to make me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, Eugene. We're just thirsty. <laughs> okay, see, we have double thirst right now because we have Eugene thirst and we have hiatus thirst. Yep. So, yeah. like, we have to spend some of our time being absolutely abhorrent fangirls. So. Yeah, it really does get worse during the hiatuses. We're just like, you know, waking up in a panic. Ah, Eugene's butt. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking I of, I guess we have seamlessly segwayed nice into segue. talking. <laughs> <laughs> we so, always got to segue with with talk of Eugene's butt, I or mean, you know, Dark Prince, or, or so whatever. You know, Dark I'm not. Butt or whatever. I'm not picky. <laughs> That's all. I mean, obviously, to you fine listeners out there, there's no question how the three of us feel about Eugene. It's just, there's none. We've been thirsty for him for eight years. Favorite character? What do you mean, favorite character? I don't have a favorite character. No, not at all. I love them all the same. I'm your 
character shorty, honestly. (laughs) Honestly, I will say that I'm behind the both of you a little bit in that for the longest time, Rapunzel and Eugene were like joint favorite character for me. Like, I'm like, I don't like either one of them more than the other. And Mm -hmm. then like sometime before the series came out, I realized that Eugene is actually my favorite. And I think a lot of that started because I was like, well, you know what? Rapunzel gets so much fan love and merchandise love and just Disney love in general that Eugene needs it more. So I just gave him that much more adoration because (laughs) he needs it more than Rapunzel does. And then from there, it just sort of snowballed. Because then I started actually talking to people about liking Eugene more, people like you two. And... It's just like, oh, no, I have people who are encouraging me to feel this way. Okay, I got it. We're such bad influences. (laughs) I know you are. Gosh, and I'm supposed to be, like, the oldest one here and be, like, the mature one I give in to my bad influences all the time. So is Eugene a perfect human being? On the surface, it's really inclined to say, yes, he's absolutely perfect. But, you know, he's honestly not completely perfect. For one thing, he's so vain. Like, honestly, it's hysterically funny. But, like, if he could be, like, scared away by his hair being mussed up, then, like, dude, you you need to sort out your priorities a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little. Just a little. Like, I was talking to Kate the other day, and we were talking about the current epic comic battle between her and Tom. And we were talking about various ways that various characters could be taken down. And she's like, honestly, all he has to do is, like, have static electricity build up in Eugene's hair and he will run away screaming. Like, (laughs) seriously, the guy is so vain. Or, like, in the quest for Varian, when he got the grass stain on his doublet and he spent precious minutes focused on the grass stain on his doublet. And it's like, come on. (laughs) Or, like, I need to get back to the palace to get my daily trim. I'm like... Dude, come on! (laughs) Like, so his vanity, while being hysterical, is also really obnoxious, but hysterical. So, like, but one of the things that Kelsey and I were talking about earlier today was in Queen for a Day, when he was so busy bitching about the snow that he didn't even notice how adorable Rapunzel was being. (laughs) We're like, okay, this is the love of your life, and you adore her, and you're like, not even looking at how cute she is right now. We're all like, oh, she's, she's being so adorable. <laughs> no, it's cold. I hate the snow. Ah, I'm like, no. Turn your head. He's such a crybaby. Cracks me up. Right. <laughs> turn your head 45 degrees to the right and look at how cute she is. But like, yeah. So just like Eugene is so full of himself. And like, he gets self-centered in like, when he's focused on like a personal emotion, he gets very self-centered on that personal emotion. And he's like, so focused on his appearance. But you know, honestly, I have a headcanon about him and his appearance. And what it is that like in the orphanage, he got told things like, well, it's a good thing that you're pretty because you're never going to amount to anything. And so he like got it in his head that his looks were all he had going for him. And that's why he's so hyper-focused on his looks. Because he's like, no, that's all I have actually going for me as Eugene Fitzherbert. And so even though it's not true anymore, it is definitely habit at this point, you mm-hmm. know. And there are some habits that are like, you're just, you're not going to break. Because they don't have to actually hurt anybody, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. being epically obsessed with his appearance is like, well, it's a flaw. But it's not like he's going to change it at any, at any point. Mm-hmm. Mm. Awesomeness that is Eugene. So, but like. In every other way, he's just, like, he's so great. He's so funny, and he's so caring. And honestly, like, 
we're getting so much in the series that I was hoping for because I was I was kind of fearing I mean we had all those years of nothing but fan fiction to like go off of and there are so many times where I would read something part of why I don't read fan fiction that much is because if their port if the writer's portrayal does not agree with my thoughts on how that character should be I get disappointed in it and I'm like so I'd rather just not expose myself to that most of the time and so it's like while we all really dig the drama, Eugene is also exceptionally funny, and he's actually the one most likely to lighten the mood in a serious situation than anybody mm-hmm. else. And so it's like, I love that they kept that about his personality, that when you go back and you watch the movie, there's like he's there's a lot of slapstick aimed directly at him or that he is the cause of. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, him dueling with Max with the frying pan is just so funny. And then, like his quip when he's disarmed of how about best two out of three is sort of like, so he takes these really intense situations and he's like, no, no, I'm going to throw a quip in there and I'm going to be funny for a second. And that's just part of who he is. And fan fiction so often has him so serious and dramatic. And -hmm. I think a lot of people are expecting him in the series to be nothing but serious and dramatic. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, he's actually, he's a really funny, lighthearted guy, all things considered. And he's our wonderful goofball. Mm-hmm. He's our wonderful goofball. And I know that we've discussed it before, but now is an apropos time to bring it up again. That we didn't know him very well in the movie because this was just three days of high stress and also of him rediscovering a part of himself that he had buried. And so in the series, he continued to discover himself. So at the beginning, it's like he's living in the lap of luxury and he's eating it up, but he also doesn't really know who Eugene is at this point because he hasn't been Eugene in so long. And his basis of who Eugene is, is focused largely on who Rapunzel thinks of him as. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he's spending all of this time getting reacquainted with himself. And so like he he has this childhood we presume i mean i'm i'm dying for this backstory but i presume that he has this childhood that he didn't really get to experience as a child that he had to grow up too fast and so now that he's in completely comfortable surroundings he's like nope now i'm going to be that total goofball kid again that i didn't really get to be which is why he allows himself to be immature but also i'd like to point out that 20 something year old guys are often very immature uh-huh. especially uh-huh. if they to mid-20s, which means that if he is genuinely 25 years old and was 24 in the movie, then by all means, he should still be an immature dork, you know? Yeah. Like, straight up, seriously. Um, I mean, I, I used to watch this one anime, um, Fushigi Yugi, and it's like, one of the things I loved about it is that the lead dude and one of the other main guys, they're both 18-year-olds. And, like, they act serious a lot of the time, but sometimes they would just straight up act like 18-year-olds. And I, like, absolutely respected that about that show. So it's, like, it's good to see that, like, if Eugene is genuinely in his early to mid-20s, him acting immature is actually appropriate for his age group. And I know we think of him as an adult as the most... I mean, he was... Between him and Rapunzel, he's the adult. But they're both still very young and coming into themselves and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if my earlier statistic is accurate about guys don't finish developing until they're 25, well, guess what? <laughs> Eugene just hit that marker, probably. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. So, dear sweet Eugene. Um, 
Dark Prince or not, like, I love how he has this, like, latent nobility to him that he is this goofball, but when the chips are down, he is absolutely serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love that he respects Rapunzel so much that he is constantly asking her what she wants to do because he knows she spent her entire life be doing what other people wanted her to do. So he's like, okay, babe, it's your life and you are now in charge of it. So what do you want to do? And it's just, that. yeah, it's yeah. super great. It's like people are constantly pointing out what a freaking healthy relationship they have. And it's like, it really is very admirable. And it's like, I really appreciate that they, didn't just make them this perfect couple right off the bat that they have their problems and they have their insecurities and they have, I mean, but they're also really good friends. Like in Vigor, the visionary, the number of times those two roll their eyes at each other, like this whole episode, Ellie, Ellie and I just watched it together while I was in Seattle. And like, there's like at least five instances of one of them rolling their eyes at the other one. And it's just, and it happens the whole freaking episode because they're good friends. And I love how their relationship is built on this rock solid foundation of friendship. And then that's the most important thing for them. Mm-hmm. And so like, yes, there's so much love. And at the end of the day, they are best friends as well. And it's, it's so great. It's just, ah, ah, new dream. Yay. So They're good. perfect. <laughs> They are. They're great. They are absolutely great. And that is why I can never date again because I will never find my Eugene. Because he doesn't actually exist. <laughs> but um but yeah, so just Eugene is just he's like he's a straight up pull package. And yes, he's obsessed with his looks, but man, look at him, dude. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, fair. He had a hot man meeting. They like designed him to be obsessed with his looks because they were obsessed with his looks. So yep. like it's just it's the way it needs to be, people. It's just how it is. And mm-hmm. but yeah, so it's like I I love that I, I adore that guy. I just it's so great. And like I mean it wasn't until him that I realized I had a type. Like I looked at him and then I looked back at all of my previous like fictional crushes and I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god, I have a type. <laughs> Eugene's actually, uh, he actually breaks out of the mold of my type, because <laughs> mine's like the blonde boy who loves cats. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Alphonse from Fullmetal Alchemist, and, and Anders from Dragon Age, and Cullen from Dragon Age, and like, they're all blonde and they all love cats, and I'm like, yep. Oh, and I, I like, I really like Cat Noir from Miraculous Ladybug, too. <laughs> he's not, like, I, you know, he's a child. And Alphonse's, too, so I wouldn't, you know. Yeah, but they're still, like... <laughs> but I love them. They're my, little, they're my little boys. You also have to remember that with FMA, the age you were when you started watching FMA, yes. it's fair, you know? <laughs> that is true, yes. It's I was 12. So. And it's, like, at least with, with Adrian, yeah, it's, like... At least with Adrian, it's like, well, you don't have a crush on him, but he's still your favorite character because he fits the type, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, and the funny thing with me and Eugene is that Eugene is like the perfect blend of like the first two crushes I ever had because that would be Prince Philip from Sleeping Beauty and Robin Hood from Disney's Robin Hood. Uh, And I'm like, and that is exactly what Eugene is, is a mix of Philip and, and Robin Hood, which by the way, I would like to point out that Byron Howard loves Robin Hood. And so he deliberately deliberately developed Eugene to be like Robin Hood. And, like, Eugene had a bow up until, like, 
I mean, his final draft of his concept art, he still had a bow. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you got to wonder at what point they're like, Byron, he's a thief. Having a longbow is not particularly like, he's not a highwayman. He's like a cat burglar. You can't give him a longbow. And so like, at least he got to, I don't know, use the the arrows to climb the tower. And it's like, oh, at least he's touching arrows. And then he like made Zootopia and made Nick Robin Hood. And so (laughs) it's just, like, you could tell that Byron loves Robin Hood and it comes out in Eugene a lot. So, um, but yeah, so that, that that's part of why it goes to show that he is absolutely fits the mold of my type. Because he is literally my type, like my earliest crushes were combined to become him. He's my uh, type and my husband knows that, so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best thing ever that like Neil is just straight up aware and accepting of that Eugene is your true love. I'll be like, like I no. love you. And he goes, Gene. And I'm like, ha ha, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like saying your wedding vows and you're like, and like all of this applies until Eugene becomes real. He's, like, then... he's like, you cried when you were walking down the aisle. I said, yeah, because I realized it wasn't Eugene standing at the end of it. <laughs> Oh, brutal. It's okay. I've got, no, but seriously, that's like, I mean, you're like my second OTP, you and Neil, because like that's the second best relationship I've ever heard of, you know? We try. He puts up on me. I don't know why he does it. So we have now rambled on for like a good hour and a half about why we like the characters and what we don't like about the characters. Um, but I've also- got seven more hours of talking about Eugene to go. Oh right? <laughs> so, honestly, I, just, I love the vast array of characterization in this show. I really do. Cause it's like every time you don't think a niche needs to be filled, here comes somebody to fill that niche. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh, Hey, I didn't realize we were missing that character type until we've got that character type. Mm-hmm. How nice. And so, I mean, it's just, and it's really well-rounded and I really appreciate that about the show that it gives us this huge variety which allows us to have all these different perspectives and story types and all that kind of fun stuff and so like i can't wait like i am being patient you hear that chris i'm being patient but i also can't wait for the Mm -hmm. end um because it's like i don't know if you guys realize it but the the series the the California end of the production of the series is getting closer and closer to the end. Like the writers are done, for example. I mean, like done, done. Like Ricky doesn't work on the show anymore. Um, and I know that like the storyboard artists are coming up to their final assignment. And so just yeah, it's so weird to think that this series that we still have a season and a half left of is also kind of ending. And it's just, it's a weird position to be in to be aware of that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I can admit that until Tangled, I didn't really think about the behind-the-scenes stuff all that hard. And so, I mean, it didn't occur to me when I watched TV shows that, oh yeah, this series has been completely written for a long time. And, you know, it doesn't matter how the how the fans talk about it, they can't change it now, you know? It's done. And so... Just knowing that we still have a season and a half to go and so that everything we have is speculation at this point because there's nothing that they can do to change it. I mean, other than, like, minor editing. Where the, I mean, because I think that it's storyboarding is when they start doing some minor editing because they storyboard to the voice acting. Uh-huh. Um, but we also know that they sometimes re-record lines because we saw that one little spill of Mandy's um, <laughs> with Cassandra tied to that chair and we're just like, what? 
What is going on? <laughs> what is the thing in the background? Where the heck are they? Why does Cassandra not look upset? Or yeah, like confused it or angry, like she's just like adorable like, pouty like, face. But it, like it legitimately looks like they like agree that this is how it has to be, and it's like, but why? What the heck is going on, man? So yeah, so I mean, we've got all these season three mysteries being thrown at us, but we don't even have all of season two yet, and so I'm really looking forward to the continued development of these characters. We know that Lance and Eugene's backstory is coming up, and I'm like all over that man just like give it to me now mm-hmm. i'm ready for it um i'm pretty and... sure if i don't get the duet within the next year i will die <laughs> <laughs> the duet man how about the solo just like oh my god yeah actually and if i don't get the coming. solo in the next uh eight minutes <laughs> <laughs> i will die eight so, minutes. it's been nice knowing you ellie yeah <laughs> so by the time you hear this I will have died of sadness. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she will revive when we play the solo for her. Maybe um, I'll revive when Dark Prince Eugene gets confirmed. Oh! <laughs> but, like, oh my gosh, but also, like, we had that bit with, like, Chris giving us the little teaser about all those people voice acting together in the same booth, mm-hmm. and Glenn Slater was there, screams, this is a song. And so there that was they- a ladder, you know. There was a ladder <laughs> But yeah, it's great because I would imagine that Glenn would have to be there in case they needed some last minute lyric adjustments. Like Mm -hmm. this actually isn't working. Um, It doesn't go with the flow or it is not telling a story properly or we can't show that on television, you know? So, because I mean, I mean, I maintain that in listen up, I feel like Shorty's solo line was supposed to be in raise your beer. And they're just like, well, we of can't course. actually put that in the show. Because, I mean, but that fits the scan, that fits the rhyming pattern, mm-hmm. and then Rock the Halls does not at all. And I'm just like, hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> so, I just, so I suspect that, that whenever they're recording a song, Glenn sits in and changes lyrics if they need changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what I think is going on. So it's just, so, yeah, okay. Uh, so to Kate and Tom, please keep up with this comic. It is like giving us something to look forward to during the hiatus. Yes. Um, Chris, I know you're listening. Feel free to like throw us more little behind the scenes things because we eat those up with a spoon. Please. Um, And yeah, so I guess that is going to be it for this Tangled Talk. Um, So go ahead. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Um, And feel free to comment on things. I mean, we don't get a lot of heavy commentary, but we never have, um, which is fine. But like, if you want to tell us what you like about characters and what you don't like about characters, by all means, we are always open for debate. That's yes, always fun. do it. Um, and we need more suggestions. Yes. And the long winter continues. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Since the long winter continues, we do need more suggestions to help carry us through. We will continue our um, every other week schedule, but that doesn't mean that we will not run out of material if we don't get more suggestions. Yep. So, um Please uh, give us, go ahead, give us suggestions. Thank you for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.